at it each Sunday so that we would know who Jesus is and then in knowing who he is, we would have life in his name. And so that's no different this morning. As we continue walking through this, this gospel, I want us to begin this morning uh, by looking at just one of the verses we're going to look at, uh, and then we'll, we'll talk about uh, what God wants to show us. So John chapter 14, verse 27 is the verse I want us to, to read and to help us see where God is leading us this morning. So John 14, verse 27, Jesus speaking to his disciples say, says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word to us. God, I thank you for the promise and the, uh, of peace that you offer us in your word as we open it this morning. God, I pray that you would show us how to uh, take part in this peace that, that Jesus gives us. I pray that you would help me to preach your word well and that we would be able to understand well what it is you want us to see. I pray that you would change your hearts. God, give us what we don't have. God, instruct us on what we need to know. God, help us to be willing to listen to you and then help us to be willing to obey you and give us the grace we need to do that, Lord. We need your help. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I don't. When my wife and I got married, I don't know if y'all knew this or not, but she was still a teenager. She was 19. I was like 20-ish, 22, 23. She was a little bit older, younger than I was. Well, she was still working the uh, job that she'd worked in high school. It was as a, uh, she worked at like an after-school daycare type of situation. And so she had some kids in her class that really loved her, and she really loved them. She loved kids all the way back then. Who knew? But so she, she really loved these kids, and these kids really loved her. Well, we got married, and so she couldn't work there anymore. So she, she had to, to quit. She had to move. We're moving like an hour down the road. Well, she, uh, before she uh, quit, these kids brought in a, uh, it was like a butterfly magnet. They, they wanted to give her something to remember them by, and so they brought in a butterfly magnet. In fact, a couple of different ones brought refrigerator magnets for them. They, they, were, they were these porcelain butterflies. They were so cute, as she would say. And so not my words, hers. But I guess, I don't know, we'd been married probably a month, two months, a year. I don't, I don't remember exactly the timeline. I know it was a really long time ago, way longer than you should remember something. Uh, something happened to the butterfly magnet. And I, I bet you probably couldn't guess what happened to the butterfly magnet. I knocked it off the refrigerator. And apparently when porcelain hits tile, it doesn't survive. Like, it just shattered into pieces, right? I mean, in fact, yeah, and it was a bad ordeal. Like, she cried, she was upset. In fact, I was thinking about uh, talking about that this morning, and I went and asked her. I said, "Crystal, was are you? Was it a butterfly magnet?" And all the tears came back. Like I'm still in trouble. This is like ten years ago. She still hasn't moved fast. Like this is how special this thing was to her. Now, needless to say, this sort of set up a pattern for our marriage. It wasn't just me that breaks things. Like I don't remember how long ago it was. Zoe was playing ball in the house with somebody. I don't remember who and knocked over a porcelain uh, snowman that one of our church members had given her a long time ago, and that was really special to her, and we, we had tears again. And so this has kind of been a, a pattern in our life where since we've come to know each other and since we've uh, been married, I continue to break things, and things keep getting broken. And I couldn't help but think as we read Jesus say, I'm giving you peace, how peace is really nice until we get to know other people and all of a sudden that peace doesn't really remain very long, does it? 
It's all, it's all snowmen and butterflies until people come into the picture. And then all of a sudden we have brokenness in our life. We have things that are broken. We have hearts that are broken. We have our word that is broken. We have all these different things. When we look in our world, we see a world full of brokenness. People either break us or we break them. We cause brokenness in their lives or they cause brokenness in ours. But when Jesus says here, I'm going to give you peace, the reason I bring this up is because it's not just you know, peace as in not fighting. It's a, it's a deeper kind of peace. The word behind it here is the word shalom. For the Hebrew, this word shalom is deeper than just peace. It became, you know, the way that they would say goodbye, like y'all have a nice day, that sort of thing. But it was deeper than that when God gave them this word. It had the idea behind it of wholeness, of all the pieces being put together. What Jesus is saying here is when he says, my peace I give to you, is he is promising us a life full of wholeness or wellness or, or safety or security of, of simply being well. When he says, I'm promising you peace, what he means is that he is promising us a life that is whole and full and in the middle of a broken world. And so as we walk through this, this part of John 14 this morning, I want us to look at the, the, really the recipe for a whole life in a broken world. Jesus is promising us here a peace in the middle of all the brokenness, a peace in the middle of all the pieces, right? Now, like we talked about last week, what he's not saying here is follow me and everything's going to be fine. Follow me and everything's going to be okay. That's not what he's promising. What he's promising is when everything's not fine, you can be. When everything is broken, you can be made whole. What Jesus is promising us here is the opportunity to sleep at night, no matter what else is going on. The ability to walk through whatever circumstances we find ourselves in and be okay, come out the other side without being broken into pieces. And so he's promising us peace. And as we walk through these verses, I want us to look at how he provides this peace for us. When you look at the first part, and this is where we'll spend the majority of our time on the first several verses here, we see that Jesus' peace is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That the, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and He brings us this peace. If you're on the back of your bulletin and, and trying to, to follow along, these are going to be worded a little differently. Um, I, I changed it up a little bit on Jonathan after he'd printed the bulletins and, and put everything together. But Jesus' peace is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He's going to show us here what it looks like for the Holy Spirit to change our lives and bring peace to our hearts. This is a, a change that He provides for us. We see this here in verse 15. Look at, look at verse 15. Jesus right, it says to them, to His disciples, If you love Me, you will keep My commandments. If you love Me, you will keep My commandments. And so firstly, we see as the Holy Spirit comes into our heart and changes our heart, He replaces our guilt with gratitude. He replaces our guilt with gratitude. In other words, we no longer serve out of guilt. We serve out of gratitude. Jesus does not say, keep my commandments so that you will love me. No, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. When we come to know Christ and love him for who he is and what he has done, our hearts are changed. What he's saying here is that we, we serve him from love. We don't serve him for his love. There's a big difference. We serve Him out of the love we have for Him. We don't serve Him to earn His love for us. 
In 1 John 4, 19, it says that we love because He first loved us. John also says that in this is love. That He loved us first. That He died for us first before we loved Him. Our obedience is from His love, not for His love. We don't serve Him out of duty. We serve Him out of delight. We don't serve Him out of guilt and shame, but out of love and gratitude. We serve Him because He's worth serving. So think of it like this. It means that there are times when you do things you don't necessarily want to do simply because you love Him. Like There's a huge difference, guys, between serving and doing the right thing because you're afraid of the consequences, isn't there? Like if, if you're just afraid of consequences and that's why you're doing what's right, what happens when there's no consequences? Like as long as mom and dad are around and they're telling me not to do this, I won't do it because I'm afraid as you're younger, afraid of getting a whipping if you're in my house. And then as you get older, I'm afraid of getting grounded or I'm afraid of losing my car. I'm afraid of losing my cell phone or my TV privileges or whatever. And so those consequences are a lot of times the reason why we don't do stuff. But what happens when mom and dad aren't around and they're not going to get on to us? What happens when they can't bend us over their knee anymore? Then we do what our true character comes out, right? What happens when no one's watching? If we're just serving out of fear of consequences, that's only going to get us so far. And so Jesus is not saying here we serve out of guilt, but rather we serve out of gratitude. We do the right thing even when no one's watching. Uh, we, we do even what we don't want to do because of the person that we love. It's Walmart on a Friday night. And, and here's what I mean. Um, Friday, mom and dad had the kids, which meant we had an awesome date night, right? And me and Crystal were crazy. We went to Walmart, right? Y'all been there? Walmart or Lowe's? That's your two options. How crazy do you feel, you know? Well, the thing is, is she wanted to go to Walmart. Guess who didn't want to go to Walmart? Like, it is Friday night. There's going to be people there. Number one, I don't like going to Walmart anyway. Number two, it's going to be full of people. Like, I don't, I don't, who knows what we're going to get into if we go into this crazy place called Walmart. Well, I went anyway because I love my wife, not because I love Walmart. The same thing is true in the Christian life. He's not promising us here that uh, everything we do for him is going to be easy and that we're always going to like it. Now, what he's telling us is that we, if we care about him, if we care about Jesus, if we love him, we'll do what he wants us to do because we want him to be happy. Like, I went to Walmart not because I was afraid my wife would beat me up if I didn't go. She may have, she didn't threaten, I'm just kidding. But, but that's not why I went. I went because I wanted to make her happy. The life of a Christian, guys, isn't perfect. Jesus doesn't say that you will never, ever make a mistake here. What he says here is if you love him, you'll keep his commandments. You'll want to please Him. You'll want to serve Him. The Holy Spirit changes your heart. He changes your life. I mean, it's the same thing as growing up. I, I, I don't think girls have this issue as much as boys do, but boys, for whatever reason, hate hygiene. Have you ever noticed that? Like, that when, when they're younger, none of the older boys will admit this, but, but when you're younger, right, you, like a shower is like the worst thing in the world. Doesn't matter how bad you stink, apparently. I don't know if you've ever been to kids' camp or anywhere like that, but woo, you know. But they, they refuse to, 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 for hygiene. But what happens when boys all of a sudden get interested in girls? Everything changes, right? Start buying Axe body spray in bulk because you want to smell good. You want, I mean, what used to be a terrible thing, hygiene is all of a sudden what you do. Like you spend 20 hours fixing your hair every day. 
Why me? You know, but but uh, I mean that's that's what you do. You change because of your motive change because what you want changes because who you want to please changes. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the fact that when we love Him, our heart changes. The Holy Spirit comes in and He changes our heart. This is the promise God made in Ezekiel thirty-six, verse twenty-six. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Here is what God is promising the people in Ezekiel and it's the same thing that Jesus is saying happens to us when the Holy Spirit comes in. Our hard hearts that won't listen to God Get replaced by hearts of flesh, soft hearts that will listen and obey, that will follow because we want to serve Him, we want to please Him. When the Holy Spirit comes in, He, he causes us to want to obey Him. And we begin to be driven by a sense of gratitude, not a sense of guilt, not a sense of trying to do stuff to earn His favor, but doing things because we want to please Him, because He is pleased with us. It's, I, I think I shared with you a couple of years ago when this really hit, I, I had a... It hit me uh, one of the times. It hits me on a regular basis. But I was I had a, a a reading plan on my computer, and this reading plan, the way it worked is every day you would spend time reading. Uh, you would read different parts of the Bible, and eventually you would you would get through the whole Bible in a year. Well, I got behind, and the way that this thing works is as you read the passage, you click the box. Like I was literally, and I got behind, so I was reading it as fast as I could, and I was literally just clicking the boxes as I went down through there. And God was like, what are you doing? Who are you doing that for? What are you trying to prove? Like, the purpose of reading God's Word isn't to be able to say how I read it so you can't, you can't whip me today. The point of reading His Word is so that you can spend time with the one that you love so that you can get to know Him better. It's a totally different mindset, guys. We don't do the things we do because we, we want... Him, we want to skip the whipping. We do the things we do because we want Him to be pleased because He is worthy of being pleased. He, as we, we heard sung just a little bit ago, He, he has no rival. He has, no one else could stand equally to Him. We want to please Him. We want to honor Him. And so Jesus says, if you love me, your motive for serving me is going to be gratitude. If you love Him, you're going to pursue Him. So very often what happens is is we, we think that the thing we ought to do is say no to sin, right? And we should say no to sin. And so we begin to focus on the negative. I'm going to try my best not to mess up. I'm going to try my best not to mess up. I'm going to try my best not to mess up. And so we grit our teeth. And I mean, that's some of the most miserable times of my life, personally. When I'm trying my best not to mess up. When I'm actually serving the Lord and enjoying Him. I, I don't say I'm going to try my best not to mess up. I say I'm going to do everything I can to know Him better. I'm going to do everything I can to chase after Him. You see, the, the goal is not to do wrong. That's not our goal. Like, not doing wrong is, a, again, don't go home and say, yeah, I, agree. I agree with the pastor, Mom. My goal is not to, do, is not to not do wrong. That's not what I mean. The goal is not simply to avoid sin. The goal is to serve the Lord. And if our goal is to serve the Lord, we will avoid sin in the process. It's not simply about not doing wrong. It's about doing what is right. That's our goal. And if we're obeying out of a love and gratitude for the Lord, we're going to avoid the other stuff anyway because we're going to be too busy doing what He wants us to do. 
And, and so Jesus says, don't obey out of guilt. Obey out of gratitude. Obey out of love. Guys, if we're trying to obey out of guilt, we're never going to find peace. We're never going to be good enough. It's only as we, we serve Him. He doesn't, it, it's interesting. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He doesn't say, if you fear me. The motive is love, not fear. And so as we obey out of gratitude, the Holy Spirit replaces our anxiety with acceptance. He replaces our fear with the knowledge of who He is. He, he replaces our anxiety with acceptance. And so Jesus here, He promises us something in verse 16. You know, I'll, I'll try to speed along. That, that first part took you all a lot longer than I thought it was going to. So, um, It says, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you, and He will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest or show myself to him. There's a, several different things here that Jesus teaches us that, that we need to see. First off, we need to see that he tells us that he's going to ask the Father to give us another helper. Just for a theological point here, just a quick teaching moment. When he says another helper, the word behind another is the Greek word alos. It has to do with another of the same kind. So like when you come in and you get a cup of coffee from the coffee bar and you go back and Miss Maria is back there and you say, Miss Maria, can I have another cup of coffee? Another of the same kind. Not another drink, as in, I don't want coffee, I want Coke, I want something different. Now, what, what Jesus is saying here is that this another helper, this one he is sending, is one of the same essence as he is, of the same essence as the Father is. What Jesus is teaching us here about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is God, that God the Father is God, God the Son is God, and God the Holy Spirit is God. And so he says another of the same kind, another like him is coming to be our helper. And then he says he'll be with us forever. He doesn't say he'll be with you for a month or a week or, you know, as long as you're doing well. He says he will be with us forever. This is a forever relationship. The Holy Spirit's not going to leave us. Now, we, we can grieve the Spirit and we can quench the Spirit, but he's not going to leave us. He's going to be with us as his people. We don't have to worry about God abandoning us, abandoning us. Here in verse 18, he says, I won't leave you as orphans. He says the Spirit's going to come. He says he's going to come to us. Or in other words, he's not going to leave us to fend for ourselves on the side of the road. That's what an orphan would have been in those days. Someone with no one to care for them, no one to look after them without the ability to care for themselves. Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm sending someone to care for you. I'm sending a helper. And we, we also see in verse 21 where he says that he will love those who love him and that he will come to them and that the Father will come to them and that they will be with us. And so we have this picture of acceptance in Christ. We have this picture of acceptance with the Father and with the Son and with the Spirit. There will be with us. We never have to worry about being separated from him. And so our anxiety is replaced by acceptance. 
the same thing that Paul teaches us in Romans 8.15. He spells it out even more clearly for us when he says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. When we trust on Christ, we don't have to worry about being left to our own. No, we become children of God. The Holy Spirit comes and lives within us, and He reminds us that we are God's children. Jesus is teaching us here we never have to worry about being abandoned. We never have to worry about being all on our own. No, He is promising us a helper. Our anxiety is replaced with acceptance. Also, He replaces our selfishness with service. When the Holy Spirit comes in, not only does He remind us that God loves us, He also replaces our selfishness with service. We see this in verse 22. Judas, not not Iscariot, said to him, By the way, I mean, if I was the other Judas, you know, the guy who didn't betray Jesus, I could go like by Bob or something instead of not Iscariot, right? Like, just call me Bob from now on, guys. Anyway, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my word, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And so here again, Jesus is reassuring his disciples, but Judas asks really a legit question, which is, Jesus, you say you're leaving. Remember the, the first part of 14, and again, he keeps telling them, I'm leaving, I'm heading out, I'm not going to be with you anymore. You're not going to see me anymore, but then you'll see me. And Judas, not Iscariot, Bob, says, uh, you say you're leaving, and we're not going to see you, but you're going to show yourself to us. How's that work? That's a good question, right? And so Jesus' answer in verse 23 is, He who loves me is he who serves me. In other words, if you want to see Jesus, you see him in the way that you love him and obey him, right? We show the world who Jesus is through our hands and our feet, through our testimony of who he is. Guys, as we serve the Lord, and I think for those of you who walk with the Lord, you know this to be the case. When you're walking with the Lord and you're serving the Lord and you're loving Jesus, do you ever say, where's Jesus? Where is God? No. We, we can feel His presence. We know that He is there. We can see Him clearly, right? When, when we are loving Him well and serving Him well, we see Him clearly. We never say, Jesus, show me who you are. Now, when that happens, it's usually because something else is going on. But sometimes what happens is, is we begin to serve Him because we want something. And so we begin to serve Him because we think if we do what we ought to do, then He'll give us what we want. And then he does it, and we're like, God, where are you? Or we, we think that if we do well enough, he'll love us. But the truth is, is we can never be good enough. We have to trust in him. And we may begin to doubt his goodness. Or what happens more often is we begin to not love him so much. We, we don't guard our hearts well, and we don't love him so much. We begin to love ourselves too much. And we begin to focus on ourselves instead of him, instead of serving him. And then all of a sudden our peace with God begins to break apart. And we, we begin to fall away from Him. And as we do, we begin to wonder where He is. We begin to, to wonder what, what's going on. So we walk around in sin because we, we can't see Him. We're blinded by our sin. 
There's a, a guy that uh, this happened to. You may know him. His name's David. I don't know if I've ever mentioned King David here or not. But I'm just kidding. I'm, David, you know, he's, he's the man in a lot of ways. He's the man who shows us what it looks like to really mess up, right? Well, David is this man who was amazing in that he loved the Lord so much that he, he killed giants in the name of the Lord. He, he led armies in the name of the Lord. He served his kingdom well as king in the name of the Lord. He wrote songs after songs after songs about how amazing the Lord is. But at some point in his life, he stopped loving the Lord and following his commandments at this moment in his life, and he began to love himself, and he began to say, what can I do for myself? And he sees a woman, and he decides that that woman is worth more than the Lord, and he takes this woman who's another man's wife. And by the end of everything, he is committed adultery and then cover up the adultery he's committed murder he's done all these terrible things and God confronts him he says David what are you doing how why would you do this do you not remember who I am do you not remember all I've given you and, and David's response is Lord I'm sorry like he he falls on his face and, and he doesn't try to make excuses he doesn't try to, to say God it wasn't my fault or any of that he doesn't say it wasn't so bad. None of that. He says, God, I've sinned against you. And he says, I, I want you to forgive me, not because I'm going to do better, but because of who you are, because of your grace, because of your steadfast love. Show me grace. Show me mercy. Forgive me. Here David is, and, and he begins to, to pray and ask God for this. And I, I want you to see why I believe David is a man after God's heart, why God says this about him. David doesn't pray, God, don't let me lose my job, don't let me lose my family, don't let me lose any of this. Here's what he asked the Lord for when he's confronted with his sin. In Psalm 51, verse 8, he says, Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Do you hear what David is praying for? He's praying to see God. He's praying that God would come back and restore that fellowship with him, that he would be reminded of the joy of his salvation, that he would not be uh, neglected from the, the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would fill him, that he would know what it means to walk with the Lord. Why? That's because when we fall into sin, that fellowship with God is broken. He says in another place, he says, if I regard iniquity in my sin, oh God, uh, in my heart, oh God, you won't hear. If I regard iniquity in my heart, oh God, you will not hear. Our sin breaks down that fellowship and it makes it so that we can't see the Lord. And we end up saying, Lord, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Well, he's right where he was. You're the one who stopped loving him and serving him. That's why you can't see him. That he's always standing there willing and saying, come, come back. Come back. Maybe, maybe this morning you're struggling. You're saying, Lord, where are you? I see all these pieces laying on the ground. You promised peace. I don't have peace. All I got is pieces. Maybe it's time you need to say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins and drop them. Leave them. Say, Lord, I can't see you right now. I want to see you again. Lord, I, I can't hear you right now. I want to hear you again. Lord, I don't know how to love you right now. Help me to love you again. Maybe that's you this morning. You just need to lay that sin down and say, Lord, help me. Help me serve you. Help me glorify you. Help me please you. 
David, when he was confronted with his sin, he realized that he was separated from God. Maybe that's you. We we won't go through the rest of these verses. We'll we'll look at them next week. I I want to just sort of stop right here and, and point out that Jesus, as he gets ready to go to the cross, which is where he's ultimately headed, he... Uh, he, he's giving his disciples a reason to find peace and hope in this broken world. And he's saying, guys, I don't want you to serve me out of guilt. I want you to serve me out of gratitude. I don't want you to walk around fearful. I want you to walk around knowing that you are accepted. He's saying that he wants us to see him as we love him and as we serve him. Not as we, we try to figure it out in our own minds because we can't do that. And so he, he goes from there. He goes after this conversation. Just a, I mean, it's, we're talking hours later. He's, he's put before Pilate and everything's about to happen. And the reason all of that's about to happen is because we are all guilty before God. We are all just as guilty as David, the guy I mentioned. We've all broken God's law. We've all, maybe, maybe we haven't gotten caught up in a, in a scandal and, and committed murder and done those sort of things, but we've all broken God's law. We are all guilty before Him. The truth is, it doesn't matter how good we do, we are guilty. It doesn't matter how hard we try, we are guilty. It doesn't matter how good we think we are, we don't deserve to be accepted. And it doesn't matter how much good we try to do for others, the truth is, at the end of the day, our selfish heart very often wins out. And so, like what Paul says in Romans 3, we have all sinned and come short of God's glory. But Christ goes to the cross, and when He goes to the cross, and He dies on the cross, the Father puts our sins, He puts the punishment of our sins on Him and says, paid in full. The whole thing's paid for. Jesus dies in our place. And as He dies in our place, He pays our price. And as He pays our price, He buys our peace the peace that we can have with God, even though we're broken, even though we live in a broken world. He says you can have peace with God through Christ because Jesus died in your place. And so if you don't know Christ this morning, if you've never put your faith in Him, if you've never trusted on Him, I'm going to ask you, don't you want peace? Don't you want peace with God? Don't you want Him to fix all those pieces in your heart? He's the only one who can. This world will tell you all sorts of other things to do. It'll tell you all sorts of ways that you can... Uh, hide from the things going on in your life. But those are all temporary. The peace that Jesus offers is a peace that lasts forever. A peace that he won for you on the cross. A peace that he bought for you through his blood. And that's what he's offering to you. Believer, if you've trusted on him and you have lost that peace, you've lost that place of just simply serving him and loving him, maybe this morning you need to repent. And say, Lord, I'm, trying, I'm, I'm sorry and I repent of trying to earn your love. Help me to live from your love, not for your love. Whatever it is God's doing in your heart this morning, would you do it? We're going we're to have a time of invitation. During that time of invitation, here's a moment for you to respond to the Lord. If you need to give your heart to Him, if you need to say, Lord, I need to be saved, you do that. If you need to say, Lord, I messed up, please uh, you know, wash me and make me whole, you do that. Let's pray. Father, I thank You. I thank You for Your Word. God, I thank You for who You are. thank You for Your mercy and Your grace. God, I pray that you just be with us this morning, Lord. I know that we're unworthy. I know that we're not able or capable. I know that you are. Lord, I know that you are able to save. I know you're able to save whoever needs you. Lord, I pray that you would do just that, that you would bring people to know you this morning. 
And I pray for those who do know you, Lord, that you would encourage them and let them know your grace and mercy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.